going to talk about adoption and fostering today. And uh, the month of November is uh, adoption awareness. And, um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that t- today. But when we came in, when we we're have several of our adopt p- families that have adopted, they're going to come up and we're going to have some uh, Q&A and talk about it. But um, it was very, very obvious that when we were in here while the worship team was practicing, I had no clue the worship team was going to do that song, uh, the blessing song. But it's so appropriate because there is a Father's blessing and there's a presence of the Lord here today to make a deposit in our hearts and to do something. So I just want to cooperate with him. Amen. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for setting us up. I thank you for your presence here today. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you would not only pour out your blessing, but God, you would confirm it and speak it and put it deep within the hearts of the people in this house, God. So Lord, we're asking for your presence. Holy Spirit, come, break in in the name of Jesus. God, do what only you can do. And I pray, God, that each person that's represented in this house today, that God, we can change generational lines. (laughs) We can change the generations because of your adoption of us and our adoption, God, into your kingdom. And I just pray, God, today that you would speak your word through us, through people, God, that you would confirm your word with signs and wonders and miracles. And God, we just give you the praise for it today. God, we open our hearts to what you're wanting to communicate to us today. And God, we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, as we're making ourselves aware, I've learned a lot in the journey over the last several weeks uh, we had we've, we we have six families that are going to come up here shortly, and I've learned so much about the stories of these six families that we're going to communicate today, and I really wish we had a a little more time where you could hear each one of their individual stories. But as the year goes by and as we keep pressing in, we're going to have these stories shared. I think what's going to happen today is somebody is going to some somebody's comment or story that they share today is going to resonate with inside of you. Something's going to jump inside of you. Maybe you're to get with one of these families and just ask maybe how I can help or maybe to hear their story. I would really encourage you that after we share today, make sure you make it a point to maybe talk with one of these families about their story because they are powerful stories of how God has broken into a family and he's brought the spirit of adoption into this home and he's changed the home and he's changing the home but for generations after generations things will be different and I praise the Lord for that. But adoption and fostering is a huge need within America I don't know if you guys realize the statistics of it, but I did bring a few statistics for us today. In the U.S. alone, U.S. adoption statistics from the National Council for Adoption says that there's been an 18% decrease in adoptions from the foster care system from 2019 to 2021. There's actually been a decrease also of 24% in private adoptions from 2019 to 2021. And the inter-country or international adoptions, they have dropped 93% since peaking in 2004. So there's a great need. Matter of fact, there's 113,000 children and youth waiting for adoption at the end of 2021, waiting for a family to adopt them. That's just here in America. That's not in other nations because we realize that it's even larger in other nations. And there are 19,130 children aged out of the foster system without finding a permanent family at the end of 2021. Were you aware of those issues? Were you aware of those statistics? So there's a great need and there's a great, um, and there's not only a need, but there is a heart of heavenly, there is a heart of God's heart (laughs) that he wants to put in all of us Because we can all participate in this, we can all help in this as a church family. We can all participate and be a part of this mission. Because I want to say adoption is part of the mission heart of God in the redemptive work of God. Can we have an amen on that? It is part of the redemptive work of God. How many are glad that God adopted you 
into his family. <laughs> I'm so glad <laughs> when God came after me and he wanted me. Anybody else? We sang about our salvation even this morning. And I'm very, very glad God pursued my heart and he pursued you. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you've not been adopted into his family, we want to help you because I'm telling you, God is coming after you. He's pursuing you and he is relentless until he has us, isn't he? And so I'm thankful God's adoption. But this is a couple of scriptures I want to share and then I'm going to bring the families up here and we're going to start some uh, questions. But uh, here is a passage that I took out of Ephesians 1.5, and I did it in the New Living Translation. Let's all read this together. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. <laughs> I, I want to emphasize God decided. <laughs> I didn't decide to go after God. He decided to come after me. Anybody else? I was running. Anybody else? I was going my own way. Anybody else? <laughs> but God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Say, I've been adopted by Jesus. <laughs> I've been adopted by the Father through Jesus. And I love this last line. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. <laughs> Father, we thank you that we were the pleasure of your heart. <laughs> we are thankful that you decided <laughs> to bring us into your family, to call us your own, and to make us heirs with Christ. Father, we thank you for that, and we thank you, God, for our relationship with you that you decided. And so, Father, we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. The second scripture, and then I'll bring everybody up. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, this passage is interesting because if you would read before James 1.27, First was about trials and uh, trials and temptations in the first part of the chapter, and then he goes. James goes into this issue about um, being not just hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word. And he even goes further. He goes, "You guys, th you say you're religious, but you don't even keep a tight rein on your tongue." You say you're religious, but you don't do the word. And so then it comes to this passage, and he says, what true religion that God, our Father, accepts as true and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And notice there's two sets of people up there, orphans and widows. And we have widows within our own home here in this house, right? And we need to take care of and help. And we need to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. The Bible says to be... Uh, what, not of the world in it, but not of it, right? right? And so if I could have all the the six different families come up, if you guys would come up to the platform, we are going to go into some question and answering. And uh, there's more families that have fostered than these, and there's more that have adopted. These are, are ones who have volunteered. And we're going to introduce to you uh, the families, and we have some pictures and all kinds of different stuff that we want to share with you today. Everybody say hi. hi. We have one of the most recent adopted little children there on the end with Andrea. But what we're going to do is I want to introduce, uh, I know most of you know everyone, but we want to make sure that we introduce and we have uh, some pictures. So uh, one of our newest families to New Covenant that is uh, Susan Elworth in the very back. Susan, if you would rave, if you wouldn't mind, take that phone. We love Susan and her family. Her husband, Dwayne, works every weekend, and some of you have met him, but some of you haven't, but Susan has been a great addition to the New Covenant family this past year. Aren't we glad that Susan and her family are here? 
And Susan, if you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself and how many children you have fostered or adopted over the years, and how recently you have, uh, have done that. Well, I am Susan Ellsworth. Mm -hmm. Remember that show made the real Susan Ellsworth. Please stand echo, up. Echo. That'd be me. Um, we have a total of 13 children. We adopted nine children through the foster system over the course of 12 years. And our latest adoption is our son, Zeke, who is now 10. Awesome. So they've been doing it a while. Nine children. Let's give a praise to the Lord on that one. Amen. Amen. Our next family is Brett and uh, Paige Fisher. As many of you know them, there's a picture of them. But Paige, uh, why don't you and Brett share? Uh, Brett and I have been married 26 years, and we always had a heart for kids as we met as camp counselors. Um, yeah, we were the fun ones at that point in time. Um, but through, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later, um, our journey to adoption um, and each of our children have different stories and how they came into the family. Um, two through international adoption, one through domestic adoption, and one is homegrown. So, um, so yeah, so we'll get into more of that later. All right. So you've been doing it for how many years then? Oh, my goodness. What was it? 20, the first one? 20, 19 and a half. Okay. Yeah, 19 20 years. Awesome. Great. Youngquist, if we could. Everybody welcome the Youngquist family, <laughs> Tiffany and David, and yeah. their big quiver. Yes, we have um, adopted four all through foster, the foster care system, and all of those adoptions happened in the last 12 months. The, the, it, they started in February of 22, and the second uh, adoption of two was in June. So when you got started, you went really quick and got them all in 12 yeah, months. Yeah, we've only even been fostering since um, 20. We started in, in the middle of 2020, so... Not very long. Awesome. Youngquist family, everybody praise the Lord for that one as well. We're going to introduce the Atwoods. Brandon could not be with us today. They have some sick kiddos. Yes. But Andrea has been a part of New Covenant for how many years? And then you I've been part of New Covenant for since I was so 15 years. And then I started fostering about 12 years ago. I had um, two that I just fostered. But now in our family, we have um, our two sons that are my husband's biological sons. And then I have two girls that I have joint custody of through foster care. We'll get into a little bit of that. And then this is Shiloh. He is two months old, and we adopted him um, domestically recently. Real recently. <laughs> and Andrea and Brandon, they go to First Baptist right now. And so... She was a part of New Covenant, but they have been such, you'll see her around here often. They come in and out, but we're so glad they're with us today. And then we have the Stewarts, Michelle and Tony. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, we have, uh, we have one. Most everyone here, I think, knows Elijah. See him sitting back there smiling when you walk in. Um, he's adopted internationally, and we officially started the process about 11 and a half years ago and Elijah has been home with us just a little over 10 years ago or a little over 10 years awesome great wonderful and Hanson's Shelly and Chris Hanson it's actually just me but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but no it, it involves her as well um we have been married for almost 19 years now and um I actually, how I fit into this whole adoption thing was I adopted Joey when she was two. So it was a familial adoption. And um, I have some interesting things to share along that. You know, when also when we got married, we have a blended family. So that's kind of a form of adoption as well because, you know, you're taking on uh, your, your spouse's kids too. And, you know, you, you have to, you know, you figure out love in the process. Mm. You have to. Amen. Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, about 10 days ago, we all met at our house, and we all just began to share the stories. And uh, I was so blessed. It was almost, in some ways, as me and Brett talked about, almost overwhelming because we were there three hours. And I was going, how in the world are we going to condense three hours into a Sunday morning service? So what we did is we took some of the highlights of our meeting on Thursday, 
And there was just an anointing on several different things that was discussed through that meeting. And what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to narrow it down to three areas today that we felt like the Lord wanted to emphasize. And we're just going to begin to launch into some of those questions. Because what I feel, what we really felt that the Lord wanted to do is, number one, he wanted to increase New Covenant's revelation of the Father's heart and his love for us and the lost and for those who need help. Amen? And that also God wanted to increase our um, awareness and, and, and get us as a church more involved in this mission of fostering and adoption. That the church is actually the solution to the problem. Can I please have an amen on that? And so as we communicate that today, I just pray that God will do something in all of our hearts in that, that mission. And so I want to start with uh, Paige and Brett. And so when we were together in our meeting, uh, they said several positive, powerful things. But I just want to talk about, and the, we're going to have three couples answer this first question. How did God use your circumstances to lead you to adopt or to foster? So we're going to start with you, Paige, and let you and Brett tackle that a little bit. Well, our journey to adoption came through the suffering of infertility. Um, and I know that I'm, we weren't alone in that. That is something that is worldwide and even in the United States. It's huge. Some people talk about it. Some people don't. We did not. We, we really kept it into ourselves for a very long time. And I remember when we were going through the infertility process, um, and if you've ever gone through suffering or your expectations of the way you're praying not being met, the way you're wanting them to be met, you begin to just strip away anything that you think is coming against it. So you start to look inward in a way that you've never looked out. Did I do something wrong? Is there something I'm not hearing right? Why do they have children and I don't? You know, I mean, it just went on and on. And... For me, my prayer life, I always prayed, but I have never prayed like I started to then. Um, where infertility can rip couples apart, for us it drew us closer together. Yeah. We began to pray on a level together that we had never done before. We were on our knees together. We were seeking the Lord together. And through that, what we heard God saying was, I'm using this to turn you to my heart, which is to go here. And so it first led us to Bulgaria. Um, where we met our son Samuel, and um, I always call him my warrior because um, we had to step out in a warrior sort of way and step out in ways we had never stepped out before, foreign country, foreign land, um, doing something we had never done, and I can let Brett speak to a little bit more of that, but that was the first of adoptions, um, which then led us to our next one, which was Bryce domestically, and that was a a good one and fun one to see because Samuel was a part of that one and to see him get excited about adoption of his younger brother was even better. And then through that, we went into our third adoption where Katima's from Thailand. And that one probably was the most challenging in the sense that I had to leave two kids home and travel to a foreign country 24 hours on flight. And um, it was a little nerve wracking. Uh, but to watch the body of Christ come around us during that time in so many different ways was very powerful. And then in the midst of our um, finalizing her adoption, we found out we, had, we were pregnant with Cohen. And <laughs> it's funny because when I say that, a lot of people go, isn't that the way it happens? And I say, no, it's not. <laughs> because there are many couples that do adopt that, that do not become pregnant. And it just was our story. Right. And um, each story built on everything. And we tell people a lot of times God used adoption in our life. Um, we would have never started Victory Lane in 321 Go um, had we not walked the journey of adoption. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm on 20 years past it, you know, so there's a lot of lessons in that. But mm -hmm. that's good. I think one of the things that was probably most powerful in the early journey of our own discipleship and following Christ was the reality that uh, the word of God really does speak. God does use the Bible to speak to us and, um, and circumstances and friends, and, but, but mainly it's um, founded and girded in the, in, the, in the scripture. And there was a point in time when we were just like, okay, God, are you really wanting us to do this? Are you really wanting us to do this? Um, I was all bent out of shape out of the mentally just processing the reality of the, the cost and the, the, the step of faith it was going to take to move forward with that. 
and um, Paige was really worried about traveling, and we were very overwhelmed with that. And we came across just supernaturally Isaiah fifty-eight eleven. It was a on a desktop. It was you know one of those little calendar things that you flip over, and you just flip it over, and we're like, but we're just praying, and then boom, the Lord will guide you continuously, and He'll provide every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. You gotta be kidding me! It just covered both things, and um, it was it was one of those reality points for me. And this is the and I'll briefly I can tell we can talk for hours about this, but um, is the reality that there was a moment in time when in the journey of the financial cost of the jo- of adoption is I re- I started to realize this isn't about money. This is about us seeking God, God's presence being alive within us. And as we started to continue to pursue him more and more and more and more, the, the finances just took place, took care of itself. There were times where we have a, we got, had, to, had to take a test, a mental health test <laughs> to see if we were, psychiatric test, and the, the, the bill was $1,200, and we had $0 prepared, and it was something that was just thrown onto us mm-hmm. the last second. And by that, that was like Wednesday, that week, and then that, by that Friday, we had $1,200. It was it was a it was miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and that's how it was all about God drawing us to His presence. That's awesome. Well, Michelle and Tony, you guys have a, another story, and Michelle, you were st- being, being stirred by the Lord, and uh, Tony was being a little more uh, cautious. Tell us about it. So, um, at a young age, I really feel like God impressed upon my heart. I mean, really burdened my heart, broke my heart for the broken, for the orphan and the widow, especially as I got older. And in college, I really um, thought that looked a certain way. I thought that was going to be going to Honduras or somewhere and starting an orphanage. And um, as I pressed in, and you know that is not how the story went, my heart still was broken for those in need, and specifically the widow and the orphan. And as I look back, I see that God, um, I did serve in many different ways. It just looked a whole lot different than I thought it was going to in a lot of different ministries I've had and a lot of different jobs, I um, was able to pour out the Lord's mercy on the orphan and the widow. But as we got, when we got married and started our family, um, that began to cultivate again and rise up in my heart. Like there's, there's still that desire. There's still that burden on my heart. What does that look like now? And it began to shape itself into the form of a desire to adopt. And I prayed about that and journaled and asked the Lord a long time before I even told Tony that I had that desire. And as I began to share it with him, he was not quite as receptive as I was <laughs> thought he would be. Like my dream, my bubble, he popped my bubble. But the reality is you just don't jump into something like this, right? You have to pray about it together. And so um, to be continued, I'll let him tell you his part of that. <laughs> So, like she and Eric both said, I, I wasn't on the same page. Um, I, I look back now, and I know it was out of fear, um, out, out of, quite honestly, out of a lack of faith. Um, I used, one of the things I used as an excuse was the money situation. I've always been a number cruncher, and so I, I want to know, you know, I've, I've got my spreadsheets out, my balance sheets, and I'm making sure everything is there. And I kept going back to that. And that was just simply me not trusting God for his provision. Um, As Brett said, it it takes care of itself. Um, I I remember we had some friends and and the agency that we worked with, the little catchphrase that was thrown around was, if it's God's will, then it's God's bill. And so (laughs) that's a a cute little catchphrase, but it it really did get me to quit focusing on that as a problem. Um, But... After Michelle told me, um, and kind of with that, she even mentioned um, seeing a, a picture of Elijah and some of the special needs that he had. And she said, I, I think I'm supposed to pray for, for this little boy. And you know, what do you think about this? A- and I was like, yeah, that's great. Now we had started um, the process. It wasn't just out of the blue. We had started the adoption process. <laughs> Well, with that, what I was saying was I have a lot of respect for people who adopt someone with special needs, but I don't have the energy and the strength to be able to do that. And God has a sense of humor. And so, um, you know, 
a actually he brought out in me what I didn't see in myself. That that was what God was able to do with that. Mm -hmm. But but back at the start of the process, you know, she had shared with me um, her desire, and I trust that. I trust her. I trust that she hears from God. What I was struggling with was that I wasn't. And so we have a missionary friend of ours who has been a bit of a spiritual mentor of mine. And it's, you know, having to do with one of the scriptures that, that Eric had mentioned earlier. Um, but I went to him and I said, how do I deal with it? What do you do when your wife feels a calling for your family, but you don't feel that calling? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, why do you need a special calling to do what's commanded in scripture? And that, I think that, that statement right there, as much as anything, kind of broke that fear off of me and, and that lack of faith. And I realized this, this wasn't about being called. It was simply about being obedient to what's already commanded in scripture. So, so I, I switched my prayers from a calling to an obedience and without making, the long, without making it too long of a story, very quickly, um, I, we went to a, a conference and we saw that same picture that Michelle had mentioned to me one time and just like that I said, get him, out of the, get him off of this brochure, that, that's our son. And so God had flipped the, flipped the script on me and you see that I now have a little shadow that's with me all the time. <laughs> And we love that shadow, don't we, church? <laughs> Amen. We, <laughs> Amen. We love that guy. Absolutely. Well, Chris Hansen, you, your situation with a blended family and a familial adoption is a, a neat story. And I know you shared how you wanted to do this and God had really put it in your heart. So why don't you share a little bit about your process with Joey? So I... Uh... <clears throat> I guess is when I, when I think about this whole, you know, I've thought about this whole thing, what I was going to say. Um, I, I got to a place in, when I first became, uh, in my mind, when I first felt like I was mature. <laughs> Good luck with that. I, I, everybody <laughs> thinks that's, well, like 18, you know, you're 18. <laughs> Anyways, when, when I, I first, when I got to that place where I thought I was, okay, I always... It, it was just in my heart that I wanted to be a family man. I wanted to have a family. It was always in me. It was something I deeply desired. And, um, you know, that's really where God even started working on me at that point. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, fast forward, um, you know, it was just a natural thing for me whenever the opportunity came up. Because um, Shelly and I had been praying. You know, we had been married, I think, how long? We were married, yeah, married probably over a year before um, the adoption took place. But um, we were both just praying. We just wanted unity with our family. And it was, you know, when you thrust two families together and, you know, kids that are, you know, at various ages, you know, it presents itself with some challenges. And um, But I knew that it, it didn't matter what the challenges were to me. That wasn't, you know, insurmountable to me that I, I couldn't overcome that because I wanted us to be a family. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, when I, when I adopted Joey, um, it, it was just natural to me because God had put it in my heart a long time ago, mm -hmm. and I was really excited to be able to finally, you know, get to do that. You That's know, the circumstances were very interesting surrounding it, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a wonderful blessing. Yeah. God was in it, wasn't he? Absolutely. It's one of the most common adoptions in America. And so it is definitely one we want to highlight as God brings families together. Aren't you glad he redeems things and brings things back together? Well, as we move into the second question, um, the second question we have is what did God do in your heart with, with the process of adoption and fostering? And Tiffany, you said some really neat things and it really came to play even in, a, in the song that we did today. Wow. It was like, mm. So you shared some things about this generational thing. So why don't you share your heart? Yeah. So as we all know, I think parenting is hard. It's, it's 
it's just always hard. It always has challenges. And one of the things that I rely on when it is hard is the reminder that through adoption, I'm impacting not just four children, but four generations of children. They, they each are going to carry this um, love that I'm giving them through the Father, th from the Father, through me. Um, they're going to carry that, and they're going to be able to give that to their children and their children's children and their children's children, on and on. And it's not, it doesn't even stop there because, because the, our natural-born children are seeing us do this really hard thing and growing our family this way. They also have a heart now for adoption, and they will be able to impact other children. And, and really, you know, Satan had a, a plan for the four that we've adopted. And it led a very different direction. Right. It led to a very different outcome. Mm -hmm. And because we stepped in and with the Father's love have adopted these children, now their line is completely different. And it's, it's going a very different place. Yes. It's going to the Father. And it's going to the Father's heart and the Father's love. And so I just... And even... It's even beyond our children because now we have a chance to get up here and tell you guys about it. Mm -hmm. And somebody out there is going to be impacted by our story. And that's the, it's just the fact that it rippled. Everything God touches just multiplies. has a ripple effect and it just multiplies love and it multiplies his heart. And it's such a, such a blessing to us to be a part of that mm -hmm. and see that. And so it's a good reminder for me when ever it's hard, whenever it's, you know, a dark place to just be reminded that this is a kingdom impact and a multiplication. Amen. How about all of you guys? Do you see that as well? Generationally, how you're changing generationally? Is there anything else on anybody's heart on that from a generational? Because it's very obvious the Spirit of God is emphasizing that today. And so, Andrea? Up. <laughs> um, yeah, especially with our girls, they're still in both situations. And so um, I just see that that they know Jesus and they talk about it very um, naturally like all of us would, but then they're also put back into other situations. And um, I can see it affecting that family as well. So it kind of ripples immediately as well. So, so you're saying the family that, that you have adopted, yes. the, the family... Mm -hmm. So my girls, yeah. we kind of, it's, it would, it looks like if we were, we were divorced, but we're not, but it was a foster care situation and we had them so long that we all decided as a team that it was better if we just kept parenting them together. So we have made that commitment and it's very unusual and, um, it was very difficult to get there, but now I can see that my daughters, um, they, they needed their father, that identity and then they needed me, their nurturing, but they talk about the Lord, they want to come to church. It's, it's interesting to me, because they're still in both, they seem a little bit more hungry yeah. um, for the Lord. That's good, that's good. I think, um, you know, thinking generationally with the spirit of adoption, I know with our biological kids, Spencer and Emily, when we first introduced the idea to them, they were unsure. They weren't really sure, you know, what was wrong with our family that we might want to do something different. You know, that was kind of the, they were, what, 12 and 9 at the time. And, but now I see in them the heart for adoption and for orphans and for, you know, it, what God has stirred within them and done within them. What that's going to look like in the future, I don't know, but I have seen that stirring within them as well, you know, not just with our family, but just recognizing, mm -hmm. you know, you know Emily <laughs> loving the girls and right. and the boys and Shiloh and you know it, it just how that stirs within others. Amen. That's really good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. That has been one of the most beautiful things. I mean, this is a story for another time, but it's been a whole lot different than maybe we thought it was going to be. But the beauty, when you look back, just like Eric said, isn't it amazing? And aren't we grateful that God redeems? Yes. Because what I see in my 
older two kids is this compassion that had we not walked this road wouldn't be so personal to them. This compassion, this understanding, this conversation they can have that they would not have been able to have, this opening it, the way it's impacted their life even now, I am so beyond grateful for his redemption. That's awesome. One of the interesting stories with our kids is, because uh, we adopted our first three kids and then we got pregnant, was one of the coaching in, that we were told is tell your children's story over and over and over and don't shy it away, just tell your story. And so we, when Samuel was a little, ba- I mean, a little boy, we're like, all right, a mommy and daddy really, really, really loved their kid. They wanted to have a kid, and they went all the way, traveled, got an airport, and they, we went through all the details with them, and it was just a great little story. And then we had gave him an adoption box where we stored all of his little um, memories of the, of the trips and the experience. And so then when Bryce came along, we got the adoption box, and we told the stories, and we just included every, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. I mean, we'd take story time at nighttime when, when the kids were young was a long time. Um, and then Katima came along. And then when it was neat, because then when Cohen was born, one of the first things the kids said is, we got to get Cohen an adoption box. <laughs> and we're like, yes, we do. Amen. Amen. Yes, we do. And so I, I, I know it sounds silly, but I, al- I can almost see us someday in the future with our grandkids and every kid gets an adop- grandkid gets an adoption mm-hmm. box. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about generational and how that story is going to just continue to carry forward. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as we're talking about what God did in our hearts, David, you, God began to do something in your heart with giving up control. And so, David, why don't you share a little bit about that? So our journey took us through the foster care system. Um, We were fostering to adopt, and one of the things they allowed us to do is we got to list what we wanted. We wanted between 8 and 13. Uh, when we started, we had ages 8, 13, yes. Um, right. 8 or 13 kids? <laughs> no. Is that a prophetic word? No. <laughs> okay. So, um, but we were, we were able to give them these guidelines of we want them to be between these ages. Uh, we were looking at getting this, this many they didn't need to have these problems. We weren't able to deal with these problems. Um, so we submitted our list. We had our license, and we were celebrating because we were eligible to foster. And we get a phone call, and Tiffany's really excited, and they gave her all the details. And both kids were right outside of what we'd asked for, and, and we were like, well, let's just give it a shot. We'll say yes. So we said yes, and no one showed up. Um, so then we get another call, and I think the second time they were inside what, everything we had asked for. They were the right age. Everything's going to work out. This is great because we know what we're doing when we're adding to our families, and no one showed up. And it, we got three or four, three or four phone calls that kept saying, we've got kids, they're coming, they're coming, and, and we made, we would move furniture, we would tell Bryce or Skylar how this is going to work when they show up and nobody showed up. So at that point, Tiffany called me one day and she's like, we got another phone. I said, listen, don't even tell me what it's about. If they're going to call you and say they have kids that are needing a home, we didn't get our license to pick and choose. We got our license to be obedient to what the father wants us to do. So it doesn't matter if we say yes. We can say yes seven more times. If the kids don't show up, that's because God doesn't want them in our home. But he's got someone for us. So we kind of threw we kind of threw all of the this is what this is what we're asking for, this is what we're willing to do out the window. And we said, if you're calling us, then we're saying yes, and when they show up, we're going to take them in. And I think definitely in our first in our first placement, um, Jamin was way younger than what we were wanting, what we thought we wanted. <laughs> and Elijah was much older, and, and I had teenage daughters in my house, and we're not doing this. <laughs> but it wasn't up to me. So, when you t- when, yes, you, we lost control. <laughs> but it, it was a false sense of control because I didn't – 
I don't want control. I want obedience. So if that's where God's brought me to, I'm grateful for that, is to learn that obedience. I don't have Brett's faith. That's it's why we, we, went, we went foster to, to adopt. I can't raise that money. Yeah, it's God's bill. He'll find somebody else to give it to as well, not me. <laughs> but I can learn the obedience portion. So I think where he's used us all is, you know, A, what do I need to teach Tony? What do I need to teach David? And, and I love the lesson that I've learned, and I love the kids that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, David. Very, very good. Well, Andrea, if you don't mind, um, share what God did in the, your guys' hearts in the process. I know Brandon's not here, but, you know, God used open adoption and the joint custody circumstances to, to go way beyond loving the children that God gave you. But he then began to do something in your guys' hearts towards the parents who are giving their children to you. Yes, absolutely. And even just a real quick nod to what David said, I think it's interesting that my husband couldn't make it here today because I did start the process 12 years ago single. So if you are single and if that's your reason why you can't. Oh, that's good. That's not your reason. Isaiah 54, 1 says, More are the children of the lonely woman than of her who has a husband. More are they. I didn't like it. I wrestled with it. It was backwards to what I wanted. And I ended up with two kids under two by myself. And that's why you see this seamless relationship behind me. It's because I had to have the body. The body, the body. had to have the body. So I just want to mention that in there, that, that it looks like a really pretty picture now. And I'm overjoyed that he's fulfilled his promises. But I don't want to forget that that was the first part because that was, you know, how it became. So I became obedient through foster care. And it was, uh, if you've ever been involved in foster care or know anything, it's supposed to be 20 months is like the cutoff. 20 months, they've been in your home, like psychologically, it's not good for the kids, all that. My girls were in foster care for over four and a half years. At six weeks old, they each came to my home. So not only was it four and a half years, it was also the only home that they ever knew. So we get to this four-year mark, and it's obvious that we're going to, you know, adopt them. And then, I mean, we actually got that, like, from foster care. And then COVID happens, and all court shuts down for about nine months. And dad starts doing better in those nine months. Well, you can't take rights away from a man who is doing better. So um, you can try to fight it all you want. You can <laughs> but at the end of the day, you can either lose the girls that you've been raising for four and a half years, or you can co-parent with their biological father. And when I say co-parent, I don't mean that I'm the mom and I get most of the time. I mean, I get the dad's rights. I get the parental rights of every other weekend and one day a week. That's what I agreed to. So in that, you learn humility. You learn a lot of things. And, um, but we saw that it was really, it's been really great for the girls and I have them lots more than that. So you begin to, when you see that your daughter's hearts are better with their true father, then in, then with just you, you get humbled again. Oh, wait, there's something that their biological dad can get them that I can never, ever give them. There is identity. There is, um, they're also biracial, so there's that identity. Um, and, um, and, he, and likewise, in his humility, he sees that I give them something that he could never, ever do just biologically. So our hearts start to change for him. And, um, and my husband and I both have done missions. So it, we're all of a sudden, we're like, oh, we're in mission, like literally right here. And so um, after we saw that the girls were going to not live with us full time, we decided that my heart still as someone who has not born children and um, just was not enough to have kids half the week. I wasn't ready to just be an empty nester half the week. So we began to um, prepare for domestic adoption. And once again, we thought we would control, you know, everything closed, you know, this, that, you know, whatever. And um, as we began the process, it became obvious that with such a, we look like a large family that they didn't, you know, these prospective mothers were, they choose you, by the way. The birth mother chooses you. 
which is very honorable. And um, they're like, well, you already have four kids. Why do you need a baby? And so um, finally, we, we got a call, and we were top two, and we spoke to her birth mother for the first time. And we realized that she was just like you and me, and she was actually very, very strong that she had chosen to take this path. And ultimately, we were not chosen by that birth mother, but our heart was open. And so when we found out we weren't chosen in the same sentence, our caseworker said, um, you weren't chosen, but I have another young woman that I'd like you to think about. And we read her story, and immediately... my heart opened to her as much as opened to him. Like immediately, I was like, "Oh my gosh," she said in the thing. I love, I love to tell Pastor Eric this. She said she was looking for a Christian family who believes the Bible and lives by it. And so this is a strong believer. And actually, the day that we left Utah with him, she played, uh, asked us to play the blessing over him. And so God showed us that with her, it was literally. I mean, we we text you know, on, on an app all the time. I was thinking today as I was sitting back there, we really think it, we want it to look tidy. I'm going to get married and have kids and da, 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 da. And that's not even biblical. It's the, it's the American dream. But how many times in the story is so messy? Mm-hmm. You read the Bible and you're like, whoa, how did that family get, whoa, mm-hmm. you know, like that's crazy. Um, and so I just want to encourage you too, that it may, that, that was our fear, right? Like we don't want the birth mother involved because it could get messy. We don't want to co-parent parent with the bro dad because they get messy. But we want to go over to this other country and minister to them and then mm-hmm. leave and come back. But what if your lives are intertwined and you trust the Holy Spirit? Amen. So that's, good. that's our story. And what's really amazing about her story when she shared it Thursday, I mean, the, the co-parenting, the father, the, the, the mission of the gospel is getting shared with that father. And with the, the mother, the, the family of the girls. So it's just a powerful thing. How it's not just about the child, but it's about even the family that you're receiving the children from. So that's good. Thank you, Andrea. Well, as Susan, as we go, how has this experience, you've adopted nine, and how has this experience helped you to understand God's love more fully? Well, I want to follow up with uh, Tony's comment about God having a sense of humor because it could only be God who could take a woman who should have been a foster child and wasn't, Mm -hmm. never knew the love of a mother Mm. on an unconditional level and made her a mother to the children that needed a mother. Mm -hmm. And he did that so it would be him. Mm -hmm. So this story is about him, not the story about what I did. So... um, when I think about the, what I've learned about the father, I think about um, this has been the most intimate process I've ever had of going through the process of adoption with, um, with God, my father, because it parallels. We saw that in that scripture today. God chose first. It was God's plan first. So we have an adult. We have a God who made a plan and said, this is how I'm going to uh, bring you to myself and I'm going to provide for you. So that's a fact, right? The fact was there, an adult made the decision. And for our kids who come through the system or internationally or however, an adult makes the decision. The child's brought in, it becomes binding and it's legal. And there's not quote, choice on their part. Mm -hmm. But through the process of compassion and mercy and grace, we go from it being a fact where God chose us to identifying and desiring, embracing our adoption with the Father. And through it with our children, over the course of time, they begin to see that we love them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And they begin to embrace that adoption story as part of who they are. And then beyond that point, for us comes the choice 
of healing. Mm. That fact was God came after us. Then through the process, we chose to be adopted. And some of us will move from that adoption stage. Yep, God's my father, because who doesn't want a piece of that, right? Mm -hmm. But do we take the next step to say, I choose healing? Because when he chose to be our father, his heart was for wholeness and healing. Mm -hmm. Not just to give us a name, mm -hmm. but to take us through to wholeness and healing. Mm -hmm. And that is where our hearts, my heart, felt the Father's crushing pain as he waited for us to come to that point where we said, I want to be healed. Mm -hmm. And for some of our kids, it comes earlier some that comes later, and some we're still waiting for, yep. for them to choose to say, I want to be whole. I want to be healed. I want to move beyond the memories of the challenge that put me in a situation where I was in line for to be adopted. And through that, I have grown exponentially to um, understand his heart and cry with him and feel his tears. It's Sometimes it feels almost like our hearts are, are squeezing together mm -hmm. in, in unison. Wow, that's good. That's really good. Thank you, Susan. Brett, I know you touched on the Father's heart a little bit earlier on the provision of God, but... Is there anything else you want to say towards what you've learned about God's heart through that journey? I think the biggest thing when it's interact, one of the books that we were, we were required to read was called The Dance of Attachment. And it really, I think it, dancing really is probably the best example of what a relationship is with a child. Um, and it, it really means you cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Mm -hmm. And let that sink in a little bit, but you, you can't, so to me, when you're, when you're inter intimately dancing with God, um, you step forward, he steps back a little bit. Mm -hmm. You step back, he steps in. Mm -hmm. You move to the side together. And there's, that's really where there's some intimacy that I've learned through the years of, um, parenting mm -hmm. and just learning that that level in, of intimacy with God is it, it's not something that um, God doesn't leave you right he, he he's pr his presence is with you throughout the whole journey and um, even when things don't go perfect things don't let go of control um, I think I can look it's so much easier to look back and say oh yeah God, God was dancing with me right it's so much harder in the moment to look at the tension that you're facing, whatever the tension might be, um, and, and resting in the dance. Mm, that's good. God is faithful, isn't he? I was just going to add to it because when you're going through infertility, they have all these protocols. If you do this and you do this and you do this, then this will happen. And that was me. Okay, if I follow this like a good girl, then I go here and my prayers and I pray this way and, and um, what God taught me is that he doesn't necessarily work that way you know it's in that <laughs> <laughs> that your expectations are here but his expectations are here mm. and I never would have stepped into his expectations oh, um, and I love that we stepped into his expectations because I love my family and oh, I never would have built it any other way yeah. um, and I'm excited because we'll have the United Nations sitting around it one day. I'm just yes. like, just the, <laughs> the, the people of God and everything. But I think that we get into these things that God works this way. And if he doesn't work mm. that way, then he doesn't care. And mm. that's not how it is. He does work, but we have to be ready, as Brett said, to take a step back or to allow God into the dance to be able to see the fullness of it. Amen. Let God dance. That's good. That's good. One of the big things that we discussed in our meeting was how can the body of Christ 
help families on the journey of fostering and adoption. And so I know when we were in our meeting Thursday, Chris, you had mentioned something. And it really, really helped me because one of the big things, you know, when you think of helping a family with adoption, you're thinking of money because it is extremely expensive to, to adopt. And Chris said something in our meeting that really blessed me. He said, um, he said you, you say that it's, exp it's expensive to adopt a child, but what was the expense that Father God took at adopting us? And the cost for Father God was his son, you know. And how can you, how can you allow cost to be anything that hinders the journey? Uh, if, if, if God would, would, would go to that extreme, their children are worth <laughs> every dime, every whatever it costs. But we as a body of Christ can actually help with that cost, amen? And we can actually help in that journey. But there, there, it, it, it took the cost off the plate for me when I thought of the cost that Father God took in redeeming us. And there, there is nothing. It's all worth it. Can, I, can we say amen on that? It's all, it's all worth the journey. But if we could, Tiffany, why don't you share a little bit from your heart on how, what are ways the, fam, the family of God the people of God can help families in fostering or adoption. How can the body of Christ come alongside people? Yeah. Well, it's important to remember that every adoption starts from a place of pain and loss mm -hmm. and rejection. Um, because of that, there is a great need for support and redemption and as Eric said earlier, who better to do that than the church? Because we all understand God's heart for redemption. And so I know that all of our families need great support even after adoption. Because even once the adoption happens, like Susan said, then it's time for the healing to start. And that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of empathy. And it takes more than just two parents to sit and listen to these kids tell their hard stories and, their, and express their difficult feelings. And it's not just the kids that are adopted that even feel that pain sometimes. Sometimes it's their siblings and their adopted family that feel that pain as well. So... There is a great need, a great need for continued support for families that have adopted long after Adoption Day. And just um, their stories are hard, so you, you got to prepare yourself for it. But you, you can come in and you can, you, can, you can be a support and you can be present and you can turn them to a father that loves them and wants to redeem their story for good. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Tiffany. Well, um, Brandon's not here, so we're going to let Shelly share a little bit. Well, Brandon, one of the things he mentioned was that the church can be part of the solution. And, um, and even when it comes to, you know, we, we as, the, as the church, we say we hate abortion, but the church has to solve the problem of abortion from the standpoint of adoption as well. So Shelly, why don't you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Before we move on. When Brandon was, I, I wouldn't have been here other than that, but but when Brandon was at the meeting and he was talking about that, I was like, that is my heart. That is, he literally said the words right out of my mouth. So, um, yeah, we as a church, of course, we're pro-life and we're anti-abortion, right? And um, it's not enough just to be anti-abortion and it's not enough to just change laws. I mean, yes, we have to celebrate the you know, that Roe v. Wade has been um, taken down and all of those things. Yes, that's awesome. Um, and there's more, uh, you know, you think about, um, DUI is, is, that's illegal, right? To drive under the influence, but people still do it all the time. Right. But you think about things, systems that are now in place that have maybe lowered that, like, like Uber or Lyft drivers, you know what I'm saying? And so we almost have to think about it this way of as far as if we want there to be fewer abortions, okay, let's create systems Let's come alongside and let's support 
young mothers who are scared to death who have found out that they're pregnant and they don't know what to do and they think that their only option is abortion um, when one of a, re a really great option is adoption. And that is often looked at as shameful or the, you know, difficult. And, okay, so make it less difficult. How can we make adoption less difficult for the mother? The mother who is going through something that's very difficult. And so, you know, I think about us as, as the body of Christ. And there, there are a lot of ways that the spirit of adoption can touch you. Because not everyone can actually physically adopt. But the spirit of adoption can be on your home. And, and it's on our home when it comes to our blended family. I mean, there's a spirit of adoption there. Uh, one of the ways that we have uh, manifested the spirit of adoption is by helping single mothers. We've housed single mothers over the years. Um, but there are things that you can do practically. Just think outside the box. How can I help the widow, the orphan? How can I support young mothers? Can I get involved in the um, pregnancy care center? What can I do to think outside the box or even help people whose children were taken away in foster care? Can I come alongside them to help them restore their lives? Because that's even part of our story where I had a child taken away. Um, you know, before I knew the Lord, and that's a whole nother story, but there is redemption in all things. Mm -hmm. And so how can we think outside the box of one, yes, pull out your pocketbook, absolutely, and support, but support like what Tiffany was saying, but also think, how can I help my community? Who do I know that is that is that has a single mom? What if the Lord asks you to pay that single mom's electric bill for a year? right? Mm -hmm. To help them save some money. Right. What if the Lord asks you to do something to make um, somebody's life um, easier or blessed and how can you pay that forward? Mm -hmm. That's good. Good. Awesome. Well, Andrea, why don't you share a little bit with us on kind of how the church can help you even with your, what you're going through right now and your current need. Okay. So I was thinking even when, when Shelly was saying that, like we shared last week at First Baptist and you sometimes think that you're the savior, like, like I'm going to adopt this child. And I, but, but when you come alongside, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go to basketball practices and look like I was married to this guy <laughs> and help raise this kid. You know, that's Jesus, you know, how can you, you know, so I just love that, that like, that it is, because it, it's really, it, it has to be Jesus then. So, and the practical thing that she's talking about when, when a woman says, okay, I'll just make it really personal. My son's birth father wanted him to be aborted. That is true. That's a reality. His birth mother knew the Lord, and even though she, you know, made a mistake, she, that was not an option for her. So she found an agency. Number one, she moved to the United States from another country to try to make a better life for him. And when she found out that she couldn't, the only reason I have him is financial is because she could not, you know, financially handle him. So then she made that decision. So this agency, it costs eight to $11,000 to take care of her during her pregnancy. It costs money for her to not adopt. It costs more money for her to not abort than it would, right. you know. And that's, that's my bill. That's the bill I pay. I pay her bill for that. I pay her, you know, so that's part of the money. So anyways, it was about 50 grand, and we've raised um, about 10. So we still have a, a need of 40. Um, before we could ever bring him home, we had to pay that, and there are ways that you do that without interest. So we're not like, you know, <laughs> in bad debt or anything like that. But we do we need do, do need support. We um, sell coffee. Um, we'll be, I'll be out here afterwards. I've got Venmo, PayPal. You can pay one time. I can pay me every month. You can, you know, whatever God leads you to do. Um, but I know that one of the reasons we wanted to offer it was, um, one of our, our friends, um, gave outside of their comfort zone and they literally found 10 times that amount. And so when I was in missions, you know, the Bible says that if you give, it'll be given to you, pressed down and shaken. And so if I don't offer to you for you to have the ability to sew in, I'm actually taking 10 times the blessing from you. You know, they were able to pay off stuff. And, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wow. So anyway, just because we are that kind of a believing church, I want to offer that to you. But um, that is the reality of our situation. If you have any questions, um, we're more than willing to share that with you. Any last comments before I shut this down? 
I think just quickly, one thing I want to say is just, you know, talking about how we can support and everything, it, you know, be a community in action. You know, um, I, I know with us, we, we have adopted, but also, I mean, we've known Andrea's girls since, I mean, Ellie was one and since Zoe was born, you know, and they've been a part of our family out of that support. And it, it can be very simple. A lot of you have maybe seen me looking down and trying, because Elijah, I was worried about where he's sitting. And, and Mike comes over and sits down next right. to Elijah, because Mike loves Elijah. Elijah loves mm -hmm. Mike. And that, that's the community in action. Mm -hmm. that, that's that support, is just just recognize what's around us. Be more aware. You know, James 127, you know, the, the true religion is this, take care of orphans and widows in their distress. That can take on so many different forms. I, I think we do need to step up and adopt, physically adopt more as a country, as a community, as a church. But there's other ways also. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. Well, I just want to thank, you know, these families for doing this and, and for serving in this capacity. One of the things Tiffany had said earlier I think it was Tiffany, maybe somebody else, but um, they're not special. They don't have a special grace on them for it. It really was all these families chose to be obedient. And I realize not every, we don't want to guilt anyone into fostering or adopting. That's not our goal today. Our goal is to be a people of obedience. And if you're not going to foster or adopt, you may actually help one of these families with meals. You may help one of these families in giving for the adoption for Andrew. There may be other ways that you can actually support families or be a part of helping families in the process. But we just want to be a community who is about the Father's business. Amen.